Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now, this story from Ennis Garthy was so tragic at the weekend. And yesterday there was a picture published. And I have to say, when I looked at it, I recoiled. And I have a very strong stomach. This poor lad, Alejandro, his face has been destroyed. He has no lower lip left. His cheeks are damaged. One of them, they're worried whether they can repair it. His eye socket, his poor little face was mangled in these pure jaws of pure power. Yeah. A pit bull terrier happened in Scorthy. Uh, a baseball bat had to be used to get the dog off the child. Man is currently detained in Escarthy Garda Station on Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act. So the best, less said about that, the better. But I was making the point here that I don't know why anybody would keep a pit bull as a pet. I, I really don't. A dog that can do that to a child, I really do not know why anyone would keep it as a pet. Now, Dr. Neve Lynch is a pediatrician and an animal lover. And in a past life, Neve, you were attacked by a dog yourself. Talk to me as a doctor about the kind, first of all, about the kind of things that that dog bites can do. I mean, poor Alejandro's injuries look and sound atrocious. Good morning. Yeah, that poor child. And obviously my thoughts and sympathies go out to him and his family and I wish him a speedy recovery. Um, these types of dog attacks would be definitely, thankfully, in the minority. And it was interesting to hear you say, I don't know why anyone would keep a pit bull. Honestly, PJ, any big dog can inflict these kind of injuries, you mm. know, so it's not, uh, obviously there, there are issues sometimes with that breed, but any dog can inflict those kind of injuries. This was an out of nowhere attack, which again is rare. The vast majority of children who are bitten are bitten by a dog that is familiar to them. Yeah. So, and, and unfortunately, because of the size of children, uh, they're closer to a dog's mouth. Their face is closer to yes. a dog's mouth yes. than an adult would be. So when I was attacked by a dog, it was my leg that was bitten because I was that bit higher up. So unfortunately, the vast majority of injuries sustained um, to children by dog bites are to the head and neck. Mm. Come back to on the breed, though. 
uh, Neve, and I've heard this repeatedly said, and my, my daughter is a veterinary nurse, and, and we've had arguments about this. She maintains any, you're right, any big dog can do this. But I found research that was done at Ohio State University where they looked at the history of injuries and the history of attacks and the dogs connected to those attacks and the injury that they did. And statistically, at least, American pit bull terriers are are the dogs that can do the most damage and are the most unpredictable. For sure. But I suppose that kind of goes back to what myself and Esther are going to be talking about tonight, which is uh, socialization of dogs and making sure that they're bred responsibly and that they're you know taught how to interact and behave around humans from a young age that's very important Mm. but definitely i mean they're on the restricted breed list but statistically if you look at bites across the board the most common dog to bite is a labrador yes (laughs) because it's the most popular pet there's more of them out there let me bring in exactly you mentioned Esther Ring from Top Barks and you're, you're running that event uh, this evening uh, morning Esther is she there are you there I'm there can Hi, you hear great. me I can yes Esther do you get annoyed and people like you do you get annoyed with me when I put out that why the hell would anyone keep a pit bull as a pet no because look we all have we all have fear based phobias and when something as as terrible and as tragic as what happened up in, in Escorty happens of course we go on the defence and say okay why is this animal in our society and why has it done this to this poor boy and of course that's a natural very natural human response um, but as um, Neil has said, it is not just down to the breed, it is the way in which the dog has been raised, you know. So it's it's very important the amount of effort that we put into our dogs when they're small and when they're young to make them social, make them well-balanced and make them safe within society. Mm. And are you saying to me, Esther, that you can take an American pit bull terrier and train them and love them and raise them and mind them to be as placid as my little Cavachon? 100%. 100%, yeah. Environmental I find that, factors. I do, I, I, you're <laughs> the expert, I'm not. I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, 100%. Look, um, unfortunately, you know, um, the, the bull breeds or the restricted breeds do come with a kind of stigma, you know, of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, do I want to drive my fancy car? Do I want to wear my nice clothes? And when it comes to breeds, you know, unfortunately, I don't know why it is, but the bull breeds is because they're big and they're powerful and they bred them to look big and powerful, bred them to look strong. You know, um, is this a stigma that people like to have uh, an association they like to have with them? Um, And, you know, if we have a look at our um, restricted breed list and the regulations on it, it basically says that you are not allowed to be under 16. You must walk it on a short lead. It must wear a muzzle and it must have an ID tag. And I'm sorry, there's not one bit of information of education, of socialization, of understanding dog communication, of understanding how aggression unfolds in dogs, understanding behavioral changes in your dog. Um, like I have nieces and nephews that are 16 now. You know, and even at that, I would be still wary with any dog mm. in, in their presence, unsupervised. You know, if they don't have the skill set, would you let a 16-year-old drive a car no. if you didn't teach them how to drive the car first? 
No, but I, I, I don't know. I, I have this thing. I look. I've never been. I thankfully I've never been attacked by any kind nor, of dog. Nor have I. And, and, never. And you know what? And it's for me as well. Like I, I, I want. We're, I'm, we're doing this event at the, tonight in the Marina Market. Um, it's a dog and children safety event for people that are sharing their lives with both dogs and children. Because I was the child that grew up and was absolutely obsessed with dogs. Loved them, couldn't get enough of them, and obviously that's what I went on to be, uh, a canine professional, an educator. Um, um, and thankfully, I was never in that position. Closely one, mm-hmm. when I went to collect a puppy with my dad, um, I had the puppy in my hand, and the mom went for me, but my dad went in front of me and blocked me, so he saved me. And I remember that very distinctly. And afterwards, when I studied and educated myself, I realized, you know, that was maternal aggression. She was only protecting what was hers. Um, but at the end of the day, if my dad wasn't there, she definitely would have um, have defended her puppy because she didn't understand what was going on. Yes. Um, so it's again, it's about education. Like these, this is a completely different species to us. You know, mm. we're we're primates. We're we're grabbers. Yeah. We're doers. We're huggers. We're like, oh yes, I, give it to me. Let me look at. Yeah. And then, and canids are not. Canids are wary. They're they're observers. Yes. Um, and they have. To um, be happy and content in the environment they're raised. But is so it not true, Esther? And if you want to come in on this one, you feel free. Is it not true that certain certain canine breeds are more amenable to human contact because they have been raised and bred around humans? So, so it makes no. Di- so studies have shown, and you can go and you can do all your studies in the world. But studies have shown is whatever the breeds. It is how it's raised during its social, critical socialization period is what is familiar and the norm to that dog thereafter. So if I take a puppy, we took five puppies. I'm probably going to say, well, three actually, it's probably too many to do with. So we take three puppies and puppy A was, was raised with chickens and puppy B was raised with kittens and puppy C was raised with children. Then those three dogs will have absolutely no problems with chickens. Well, the first one had no problem with chickens. Could be a little bit wary and fearful of kittens and children because they'd never seen one before in their lives. And the vice versa applies for each of them the other way around because mm. that's what they take to be their norm. It's, it's, it's imprinting. It's, oh, it sounds like something from, um, from um, Twilight, but it literally is. They will take in what is normal to them within that time frame right. of their critical socialization period. Right. And unfortunately, within this period as well, we have a fear input period with between eight weeks eight and 11 of a puppy's life. And if something detrimental happens to that puppy that maybe an owner doesn't even think of, you know, something like a, do- a child comes and picks up the puppy quickly and the puppy squirms or scratches it by mistake and the child drops that puppy just as a reaction and it happens between this period when you know what, that is very hard to overturn yeah. if the dog in pre- has a fear period and something ha- bad happens to them. You, you, it's called one trial learning. Yeah. So look, I'm not condoning No, you make total dog. sense. You make total yeah. sense, by the way. You make absolute yeah. sense, but you, you don't ease my fear at the same time. I'm not a fool. Like, I, um, I approach every dog with, uh, yeah. with, with, with respect and with wariness. And, of course, I have to see dogs that maybe are not happy in themselves. Yes. Or are, show, are displaying different types of aggression. But at the end of the day, once you're equipped with the information, once you are able to... like, So I would be hard-pressed if you could get 10 people to tell me what are the signs of stress in dogs, the subtle signs oh, of stress in dogs. Look. 
Uh, my, as I said, my daughter's a veterinary nurse, and yeah. we, we, we we argue about this all the time. <laughs> Neve, just briefly, what kind of dog attacked you? Can you? Oh, I was working in Nepal with UNICEF and um, a friend of mine had adopted a street dog that was blind and not particularly healthy, but had big teeth. <laughs> and I was uh, feeding it for her and he was he was tied up on a, on a chain. I look, I mean, they just aren't kept in great circumstances out no. there. I um, He was on a chain. I underestimated the length of the chain because yes. I wasn't going to get near this dog, but uh, the chain was long enough for him to, to attack me. And basically. you see, I can so see it, in the circumstances that you described them. A, a total stranger, I can see why the dog might might might, yeah. might turn. There. Yeah, and now, and like who knows this dog in Wexford? I mean, obviously it's a criminal case now, but it should like he had a history and he shouldn't have been. It would you know, that, that four should never days have previously. happened. It would appear that four days yeah, previously. Yeah, so like I mean, that was that. You know, this is now a criminal case, so we probably shouldn't talk probably about it. And but it, like, there's nothing to excuse it. Nothing. Mm. Um, no, but nothing, in yeah, terms of we're trying to you understand know, like the, understand it, I guess, rather than an excuse. What, yeah, what exactly. But I suppose. Suppose for me, I think I, I just remember, like when this dog, when his teeth sank in, right? And you don't feel pain because you're in so much shock. Yes. And you know the teeth went in, and I was like, "That's gonna hurt," <laughs> you know. <laughs> but then I was like, you know, I was so he he clamped and then he released. There's a scale of dog bites, so I think he was like a three or a four, right? So he clamped and released. He didn't pull, so he didn't pull a chunk of skin out. He just punctured the skin all the way through. And then he went off and he had his dinner. But the fear, like, and it was afterwards, like I was having flashbacks, I would say for months, like what if, what if, what if, what if he continued to attack me? Like that, again, I would have been into devastating territory. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, you know, I don't want children ever to be in that situation and unfortunately we as grown-ups put children in that potential situation every single day all over instagram you see kids hugging dogs you see their eyes wide open their ears pinned back they're stressed off their head every single one of those photographs is a potential bite and the parents don't understand what the dog is saying and what myself and esther want to do is teach people doggy language okay. so that we can understand what they're saying and avoid these situations. Watch, watch your dog. As I said, I have a little cow, Sean, and I, I do say that if he could, he would speak. So I know what you mean. <laughs> about a dog's facial expressions can tell an awful lot about stress in particular. Let me bring in someone else who I wasn't aware was a victim of a of a dog attack when he was a youngster. Stephen Teep, morning. Good morning, PJ. I thought you'd be scratching your head when you saw my name this morning after <laughs> <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> um, what happened to you? What age were you? Yeah, so look, I suppose how I'm involved in, in this was es- Esther approached me um, a couple of days ago just to um, add vi- my voice to this and my lived experience. Um, I met Esther about two years ago. I was actually doing a canine obedience and training course. And um, when you're doing these courses, you're going around the room and everybody in the room is talking about what they want to go on and do, train dogs, work with dogs or whatever. And I said, no, I don't want to become a dog trainer. I don't want to work with dogs. Um, I'm actually doing this for myself because when I was a child, I got attacked very badly by uh, two dogs. And you were nine, I, was, I think. Weren't you? I was nine years of age, the same age as that poor boy in Wexford. And the way you described it there, like the, the hair on my arms is still standing up, you know, because he's the same age now as my, my, my oldest boy, Oscar, you know. And when I see the size of Oscar... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can wrap my hand around all the way around his arms, you know, and to think what a dog can do. But um, back in the, the numbers is what I never forget, the dates and the times, the 27th of April 1990, I was down in my neighbor's house playing 
and it was a Friday and it was five o'clock and my neighbours had two Rottweilers that they used to keep in a pen and um, we were down there playing and I was aware of it because you'd always hear them barking and when you were playing soccer in the garden they'd be always going crazy up against the fence and anyway we were down there that Friday and my mum let me off down through the field to, to, to go play for an hour before dinner but the next thing we were at the back of the house and these two Rottweilers come running past us and straight over to Patrick, my friend, for a rub. And I saw that they were out, and I knew straight away at nine years age, they, they're out, and they shouldn't be out. So I start walking slowly to the back door. And I didn't run, didn't scream, didn't make any sudden movements, uh, but just went slowly and tried to open the back door, but the back door was locked. And just stood there and froze and just waited, hoping the dog would wait. But one of them spotted me. Mm. And I guess my presence is what startled him, because I wasn't making any noises, but there was this unusual figure standing there so straight away he made a, made a beeline for me and started um, mauling my arm and my leg started attacking me and the second chap the second dog I could still see him lifting up his ears staring at me while he was being rubbed by Patrick and then straight away making a run towards me as well um, I say the numbers because I was nine years old the smallest Rottweiler was nine stone and the biggest Rottweiler was 11 stone and I only weighed seven. The only reason I'm here now talking to you about this is because when they attacked me, they actually pinned me into a corner and which exposed all of my right inside my body. So underneath my T-shirt and on my leg, I still, still have the scars today to show it. Are you, are you uh, afraid of dogs to this day, Stephen? So, when I think of this poor boy now in Wexford and, you know, the, you were describing the attacks, the, the recovery, the physical recovery, um, like, they'll always be exposed. For me, I was so embarrassed by these scars and ashamed and didn't want to talk about them that I was lucky I could wear a jumper and pants. But it, the attack itself and what Neil was saying about the teeth sinking into you don't feel, but it was the years afterwards of the trauma of trying to get over my fear of dogs. Fear of dogs is one of those things. You, is, it's like being afraid of oxygen. And it's not until you're actually afraid of it you realize how many dogs are around and how many dogs are wandering around off lead. They are literally everywhere. So in order for me to go back to school, I wouldn't go back to school. I was in second or third class until my parents, I knew, spoke to the teachers. And I went to a school in the middle of Douglas. And often a dog would be running through the playground randomly. You wouldn't bat an eyelid at it. But I knew that could happen so I would have to warn my parents to warn the teachers to make sure that you know that um, if they see a dog in the playground come get me and bring me in every time I went to a friend's house I would be uh, mapping out in my head right what what would we be doing at this house would we be walking to the shop what way would we be walking would we be walking past dogs constantly all through my primary school years terrified through my teenage years as I got less and less scared um, I got less and less scared as I got bigger. But it wasn't until um, I met Irene and we actually, I convinced her to get a dog. So I grew up with dogs. And I was fine with my own dogs. It was strange dogs. That we actually got our own dog, uh, Layla. I still have her now. She's actually 15 next week. Oh, but um, it wasn't until I got her. And I remember she was a tiny little pup the size of my hand when we got her. And she was asleep in my chest. And she looked at me and let out a growl. I know, I'm telling you, like a grown man, a size of my hand, I shut out a growl, and I nearly lost my life on the couch. It was ridiculous. And I was about 25, 26. And I was like, this has got to end. I cannot continue living life like this. And that's when I started teaching myself about dogs, about 
dog behavior. You talk about the signs of the dogs, but it was more how will I interact with dogs so they don't come running over to me or if they do, they, they won't be jumping on me or what do you do if they do jump on you? How do I walk past a Rottweiler again? When will I ever be able to do that? And this was the reason why I did that course later on. But now that I've done a full circle, I'm now raising kids with two dogs in my house. Yes. And I am very, very conscious of the importance of, um, I suppose, the tree rules in my house. I suppose as like the dogs and children need rules. There has to be boundaries and there has to be respect. Respect for the dog, but the dog has to respect the rules and the boundaries also. And these yeah. are the rules that now I'm trying to encourage. Um, Esther goes on about the socialization period, uh, which is very, very, very important. And this is why I suppose a lot of focus has to be put on the breeders. And especially over COVID for the last couple of years, where you saw them really profiting from the, the sales of dogs and you were, you'd have to question what rules and regulations yes. are there for breeders. What are they doing around the socialization yes. period so we can yes. prevent this going forward? Because this is a really scary time, I think. And and can, I, just, can I hold you guys for a minute or two? Because I need to take a commercial break. I'm getting so into this conversation, I've completely forgotten to clear a commercial break. So Neve and, and Esther and Stephen, if you just hold for me for a couple of minutes and we'll come back to this for a few minutes more because I wanted to pursue that with you a small bit, Esther. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Talking with Esther Ring from Top Barks, from Dr. Neve Lynch and from Stephen Teep about dogs and dog attacks in the wake of that awful attack on that little chap Alejandro up the country at the weekend. And there's an event tonight at Marina Market um, to do with dogs and families and dog behavior and how, you know, kids and growing up around dogs. Just a question for you there, Esther. If I came to you and said, I have two children um, and I'm thinking of getting a dog and I'm planning to get a pit bull, what would you say to me? I would be delighted that you came to me and asked me that question because if I could have as many people in the world or in Cork City to pick up the phone and say, I am thinking about getting a dog, what breed should I get? 
And that is the start of an amazing journey because that person already has made good choices because they're willing to speak with somebody professional to say, okay, we're thinking about getting a dog. What dog breed should I get? Um, And how should I go about it? How should I locate that dog? So it's not the breed. My biggest question will be, how old are your children? I'm a mom of two young children. I have a four-year-old and I have a two-year-old. I don't have a dog at the moment. I lost my dog last year in March. He was 12. Mm. I haven't got a dog yet, only because of the fact I am so busy with the business and being my two young children that I don't think it's the right time for a dog. And she is two, but he's a real boy of two. You know, he's grabby, he's touchy, he does everything he's not meant to do, and we love him. But, like, I could see him and a puppy not really coinciding at the moment. Mm. It's not really the breed. It's, you know, where is your life at the moment? Where is your family situation at the moment? And if they did turn around to me and said, okay, I have a 12-year-old and we have a 14-year-old. We've always loved dogs. I, I like pit bull. I like Staffordshire bull terriers. No real, there's no actual pit bull breed. It's a bull yeah. breeds or Staffordshire bull terriers. And I would say to them, okay, that's no problem. If you think about a Staffordshire bull terrier in your house, um, have a think about the future. One, this is a restricted breed. So this, for me, look, being a restricted breed for the dog is quite sad because it, technically, if you come to me as a puppy and you're a puppy of a restricted breed and we're playing in an off-seat-lead-to-play setting um, um, and I'm in, in a public setting, that puppy should be muzzled from, from, from the very beginning, even at a very young age, 10 or 11 weeks. So if you put a puppy muzzled at 10 or 11 weeks into a play session with other puppies, you're handicapping it straight away. It's not able to display natural behaviours. So therefore, there were already causing mm. issues on how that puppy's even been raised. Right. So like for me, you know, I'm not, don't get me wrong, there is laws and there's bylaws and they're there for the reason. But like even the way we raise these dogs, we don't let them socialize. We can't, I can't have them in off-lead settings because if I have the public with me, so I have to obey the, the law. They're muzzled within, in, in public places. Mm. And, you know, 99%, not 99%, I give a lot of people their credit and a lot, a lot of good dog owners out there. But, like, are they being muzzle trained correctly? Are they sure? Well, Esther, isn't is? that because, and as people, there are messages pouring into me this morning. Mm. And if these people are wrong, tell me, the, the, the original origin of these breeds was to fight. And it's in their DNA to fight. It, 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 they're not. They they weren't bred to fight. They were bred to take down bulls. So they're bred. They were bred to chase, and they were bred to 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 hang on. You know, and that's very much their play style. Even if you watch even yeah. in, in a daycare setting, if you watch them play, they're quite robust. They're quite rough. But then if you look at a collie playing, she's quite sneaky. So she'll go in and she'll nip the ankles of another dog and then she'll run off and she'll go, Very oh, will you chase me? And then she'll come back and she'll go, oh, you'll be chasing me again. They all have different play styles. But it's it's how they are raised. And it's back to this point you know, that Stephen made, and I, I missed it, and I'm thank, uh, thankful that Stephen mentioned it, how they're being bred, how the breeders are playing their part, and how they're being raised. Just one thing that I'd like to say is in, in, in Holland, they did a study in 2010 and they showed that the top six dogs that bit in the 2010 studies were Jack Russells, German Shepherds, Yorkshire Terriers, Maltese, Dobermans, Rossies, and um, who else do I have there? Uh, Golden Retrievers. And the, the outcome of the, um, of the paper was not to put breed-based strategies in place, but to increase their policies on education. 
and I'll go to it again. If I'm going to learn how to drive, I have to do my RSA um, online um, right. course first, and then I have to get lessons afterwards. If we want people to be safe around dogs, we need to educate, training, we need education, training, communication, and understanding. Safe choices by people that own these dogs. Uh, responsible dog breeding, responsible dog ownership, and this will help to reduce the risk. You, you probably then would not be happy with me saying, and I, I'm, I'm listening to you, you're making so much sense. Stephen, Neve, you're making so much sense. But I'm still thinking that a pit bull, to use the term, a bull terrier as a pet is like keeping an alligator in the bath. I wouldn't trust it. Well, you have to you have to apply that to all dogs because I don't like for me. I have to respect all dogs. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust any dog. You know, any dog can change. Environmental factors can change to a dog's life. So, for argument's sake, say if you have a dog for years, and this is why I encourage people to come tonight. It's a free event. Yes. Even if you have the dog, and the dog's ten years of age at home, or even Stephen said now, or his his dog is now fifteen. There has huge implications at the age yeah. of 15. Can, can dogs get a bit of dementia? Uh, we of were course talking they this. can. Of course they can. They can go to canine dementia, cognitive degeneration, right. pain. So imagine, imagine if you were... I, I have a so dog can have stuff going on we know nothing about. Nothing. And you know what? Because of the way they are, where they, with their, their genetic makeup as dogs, they do not display outwards symptoms of disease because they don't want to be left behind because they're social animals. So whether they we, they're living in the wilds where uh, village dogs like Neve came into contact, you know they won't they won't they'll try their best to stay as fit as healthy as possible so that they get to stay with the group because they're more I successful see. as a group. I see. I see. Um, so then, if you have a dog that is inwardly in pain, it mightn't actually be like you know sad and low life right. or having low energy in the corner. Right. So what will happen is a child will brush off or the part that's sore, touch the ear, touch the head. And the dogs, because they lack the part of their brain that is um, has logic when you have to go into the, the, the nervous system. So if, if a dog feels intense pain, it doesn't turn on and go, okay, why did you do that to me? It no, reacts. It turns it to react. And, it, and it, it can have react. things going on mental and physical that we know nothing, 100, nothing, 100 no, nothing about. And you have to take it. Every life stage is different and every life stage has its own risks and its own journey, and it's our responsibility as dog owners and as parents to make sure that both species are happy and content as much as they can be in the environment that we have given. You know, man's best friend. I suppose I'm kind of coming around as I sit listening to the three of you. You know, man's best friend, the turn... the, the title is real and as I often say we don't deserve dogs for how much yeah. good and joy and I'm sure Stephen you'd say it as well despite what you've been through and Neve, so would you we don't deserve dogs for the joy they can bring to our lives mm. but we need well, to work on that relationship you'd all agree? It's a symbiosis it's, it's, a, it's a lovely symbiosis that we, we share with them and unfortunately if um, the dog went in the morning we'll still carry on but it wouldn't be the other way around for the dog so if humans went off the face of the earth in the morning unfortunately the dog would soon follow because they are so dependent on us and it's only a small percentage of the world's population dogs that lived as as pets as we know them 
in our pampered on the couch or sleeping yeah. in our bed or whatever. The rest of the dogs in the world don't live like that at all. <laughs> it's true. All right. Tonight, Marina Market, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Free right. event. Free event. All right. Listen, Stephen Teep, Esther Ring from Top Barks and Dr. Neil Lynch. Thank you all. I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you very much for being with me this morning. I still... I'm going to stick by this. I still don't know why anybody would keep a pit bull as a pet. I, I, I accept the experts look at it differently. But I still don't know why anybody would want to keep a pit bull as a pet. Nick says a pit bull has no purpose other than it's being bred for fighting. Uh, Richard, they were bred for fighting, not for domestication. Well, they were bred to take down bulls, is what Esther said. Quartz 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.